0: Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. His return. This is actually the final message in this series entitled Zoe. And We're talking about His return, which is a very significant message for the day that we're living. And, and I really am trusting the Holy Spirit to be able to articulate things and share things from the Scripture to help communicate accurately and effectively the message of his return. As, as we um, look at his return, we understand that uh, it's Speaking of Jesus Christ's return to the earth, which is also referred to as the second coming, we understand that Jesus' mission and coming the first time was to show us how to live our life the way it was meant to be lived. His second coming is to abolish death and grant eternal life to those who believe in him as well as executing judgment upon the wicked and the unbelieving. So it's also a very terrifying time for the earth and planet earth. Uh, His second coming is, is significant, and I believe as Christians, we need to have a biblical understanding and view concerning it. The second coming has become actually when I first came to Christ, it became a major focus in my life because I got a hold of some books, and I actually... I hate to admit this, but the first book of the Bible I read was the book of Revelation. and Because it just intrigued me. I just wanted to find out, okay, what's going to happen in the future, you know? I'm a, I'm a believer now. Let's go right to the end. How many of you ever read a book that way you read the last chapter first? I don't recommend that. But yet, you know, that, at least that way you can find out what's what's all going to happen, how it's going to end. But you miss some things by doing that. But... I was intrigued by it, and and, and one of the problems, however, is I got caught up with a lot of speculation, and there's a lot of speculation concerning end times because people try to correlate current events with what we see in the Scripture that relates to end-time prophecies and end-time references in the Scripture, and and I I think a lot of times end-time prophecy proponents or teachers will put something out there and then... Realized that it was wrong; it was erroneous information; it was misinformation, and then they said, "Okay, well, this didn't work." And one of the things was date setting, time setting. Well, Jesus is going to come at this time, this date, and when the Scripture clearly reveals that no one knows the hour, no one knows the day, but the Father in heaven. And so, there's a lot of confusion, I believe, concerning end-time teaching and prophecy but we just want to look to the Word of God this morning. And I'm going to read our theme verse that we've been sharing with you this whole month. Uh, And that's found in John chapter 10, verse 10, the Gospel of John. And we're going to look to the Word, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And it reads, The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came, referring to Jesus, that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, we understand that zoe is actually the the Greek word for life in this verse, which means the God kind of life or the life of God, or we could say eternal life. And see, this kind of quality of life is actually the nature of God that produces change in us really conforming us and transforming us into his image. And I believe we can see the effects of zoe, the life of God in a person's habits, in their speech, in their conduct, in their attitude. It it actually affects a transforming work in a person's life. So when Jesus came and said, I've come that you might have life, he was talking about a transformation. He was talking about an encounter with him, an encounter with the Father God in his presence. And so... What we want to do is we want to take a moment and pray, and, and we want to lift up Paul Hegstrom's family. We just got word that he just passed away. Uh, Paul Hegstrom was the founder of Life Skills International, which was a program that uh, for years we had at this church, and there's a number of you in this congregation that have actually gone through that curriculum and gone through that course. But he went home to be with Jesus, and, and we understand that uh, death is difficult because we miss our loved ones. But we know that when we do die and leave this earth, we go on to receive our reward. So let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful this morning for the truth of your word. I thank you for those that have gathered in this place. And I pray, Father, that you give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. That the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Help us to come to a greater understanding of, of the return of Jesus Christ and what that means to us and how we are to respond to the truth of what we see in your word. Father, we also lift up uh, the Hegstrom family. We lift up Judy, Father, and we lift up that entire household, and we pray for your peace and your comfort and strength for their lives. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. And everyone in agreement says amen. Amen. Before we get into the Word, and the the Spirit of God really put this upon my heart uh, the other day, and so I really felt that maybe there's some of you that need to hear this, and and I'm going to share this statement, and you can write this down if you are taking notes. A wound that is neglected gets infected. See, neglected wounds get infected. If you don't take care of a wound in the natural, uh, you get a a scrape or cut. If you don't address that, the chances it can get infected. Now, God, I believe, wants to address the woundedness of your life. And you might say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor, woundedness? Well, there's emotional wounds. There's physical wounds. There's wounds that we encounter in life because of people doing things that maybe they shouldn't do. Or we can become a victim and then begin to live with a victim mentality. Or we can just go through things because of hurt and offense that actually uh, inhibit the growth of God in our life. It inhibits us from reaching the place that God wants us to reach in our journey with him. And so unless you let the past die, it will never let your future live. Realize that. So, we can't keep nursing and rehearsing the pain of the past. So, today, I just want to take a moment and encourage you to let go of, of that hurt, that pain, so that you can begin the healing process. And maybe someone's offended you, maybe you're harboring unforgiveness this morning, but take a moment and just let that go. Just release that person, release that situation, commit it to God because so often that's blocking you from receiving what God has for you. And I want you to receive from his word today. So you need to let that go. So let's just take a moment. Father, we just thank you right now for the release of of hurt and, Father, pain that we may have encountered because of a situation or circumstance. I pray, Father, that you stretch forth your hand in this place and heal the woundedness in people's lives in Jesus name. we Give you praise. Amen. Well, I just want to take care of that and, and so that you can move on and, and realize that if you're dealing with things, that God is for you, not against you, He is on your side. You need to just mark that down. So let's talk about now His return. Let's consider the second coming of Jesus Christ. The technical term, we could say, uh, for this topic is the word eschatology. You know, you might have to work on that before you pronounce it, which is actually the study of end times, in fact, uh, or we could say the end of the world. It's referring or reference to the end of the world. Eschatology, eschatology, I need to say it right myself, relates to the end of the world or the events associated with it, and the ultimate destiny of humanity. So it's really wrapping things up and thrusting us into eternity future for the plan that God has ordained and orchestrated from before time began. In other words, things will be on track because what occurred in the Garden of Eden messed things up for a period of time, which we've all become victims of, but God's going to set the record straight and get things right On track. And and so the blessing is we we get to be a part of all that, okay? And so now, what is your understanding? And I'll ask you this question, maybe you can think about it for a moment. What is your understanding of his return? Maybe you are an expert in the scripture. Maybe you've researched and studied this, and maybe you could even help me to better understand. But uh, maybe for some of us, we just Don't have a clue. We don't know a whole lot. And because it's confusing, maybe we've left that area alone. In fact, uh, one of the phrases or sayings that I've even used over the years is, you know, I don't know about the end times, uh, whether pre, post, trib, all these terms we throw out there, which we might get into a little bit later. um, I, I, you know, say, what is your theory? What's your outlook on it? I say, well, I have the pan theory. What's that? It's going to all pan out. You know, when he comes, I'm going to be ready. That's, that's all I need to be concerned of. And yet, because of misinformation out there, people are basing and making decisions on misinformation. And, and you know, there was a period of time, and this was back in 1988. This, was re- this threw me for a loop. There was this man uh, who came out with this book called 88 Reasons, why, Jesus is coming back in 1988. So he had it down and because he said, now the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. I'm not going to give a day or an hour, but I'm going to give you a period over three days. So within that three-day period, that's when he's going to come back. So the fact is we're still here in the year 2017. This guy missed it. But he made a mis- another mistake, his second mistake, and this was a NASA scientist. I mean, this guy, he would teach, he would expound the scriptures, but he would lay it out there and it was like, you were bewildered. Wow. But it was more sensationalism. It was like this, uh, you know, it was, but it was like confusing. Now, what did he say? How did, I mean, you couldn't just take that message, what he just said, and share that because. You know, he was the scientist. He could put all these facts and figures and numbers together and uh, orchestrate them in a way to prove his point. Well, in 1989, he came up with a second book. And guess what it was? 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 89. And in in, in 80, guess what the 89th reason was? He miscalculated by one year. Because he happened to count the year zero when you go 2 BC, 1 BC, he went zero, and then one, two, and there was no year zero, it was one, and then it went to two, okay? So you eliminate the one, but as I looked at it, I said that would actually be two years different. so, but he didn't come out with another book in 1990, okay? So I think his credibility was down the twos, but... He was going all over the country doing these conferences. And what happened, people were expecting Jesus to come. So they had their pets put to sleep. And unfortunately, some ran up their credit cards because they wouldn't have to pay him off anyway. Because I'm out of here, zoom, you know, you can be with Jesus. And, and so all this goofy stuff happened, which caused the church to look like, what are they doing, you know? Uh, so, yeah. I could, I could share some other stories too. As, as a young believer, somebody told me that Jesus was coming back a certain day and I happened to tell my younger brother and I didn't know what he would do with it. He was going to high school at the time. He went and told all of friends, And then Jesus didn't come and then you know, they looked at him and say, what's wrong with you? you know? So over the years, people have predicted Jesus' return and, and he hasn't come Yet. And then people go on the other end of the spectrum and say, well, he's never coming back. You know, we've been expecting him to come, and, and he's just not coming back. Well, that's not true either. So we want to consider this impact although this event of the return of Christ and the impact from God's perspective. So we need to look to the word. And so his return is known as the second coming, the second advent, or the blessed hope. Those are three phrases that describe the return of Christ. And I want you to turn to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, and we're going to look at this passage for a moment. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to, for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives, in the present age. Okay? So that's our commission, God's grace appeared bringing salvation so that we can live right in this present age even though we're surrounded by evil and negative influences and temptations. But notice verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope. And then the blessed hope there is is, is described as the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here we see a reference of his appearing, of him showing up again on planet Earth. So we understand that an awareness and expectation for his return provokes us to live right. So when we live with the anticipation he could come today, that will help you to make sure that you're doing what you need to do and not goofing up, right? And so that's a motivation for holy living when you anticipate and look for and long for the return of Jesus Christ. And I believe every sincere Christian should have that. But yet in my heart, you know, I say, Lord, you know, I don't want you necessarily to come today or tomorrow because there's too many people that haven't received you. There's more people that we can reach. And and the longer you tarry, the, the more opportunity we have to preach the gospel and reach the lost and those that have not heard the truth of what you can do for them. Now, we understand that his return is absolute. It's certain. The certainty of it is absolute. In fact, the credibility of his return is based on his first coming. It really is. And the second coming is certain to occur. The very integrity of Jesus Christ himself is at stake in this matter. In John chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, Jesus made this statement to his disciples. This was... As he was preparing to leave, as he was preparing to suffer and die on the cross and be raised again, he stated to his disciples in John 14, starting at verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, notice, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus, in his own words, declared that he's coming again. He's coming back. Now, his return is identified as a definite day. In 1 Corinthians 7, actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. And you might want to write these references down if you're taking notes. But I'm going to give you a number of scriptures this morning. In fact, um, I have... We're going to put something on the web for you. It's called the 21 Irrefutable. — what is that? I have a right I have a copyright here. 20, 21 irrefutable facts of the Second Coming. I have a few of these at, at the door if you want one. you can just ask me for, it and I'll give you one. or otherwise we're going to post this on the line, because there's information that you can take with you that will verify what I'm saying this morning. But 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7 and 8, it says, So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting because we're not going to lack in anything as we wait for his return. The promise is he's going to provide what we have need of to to fulfill his purpose and call upon our life. So we're not going to be lacking as we wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 8 who will sustain you to the end. Well, that's good news, isn't it? Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's going to sustain us right up to the end. And some people are afraid of of how things are going to be in the last days. Things are going to get worse. How are we going to be sustained? Well, God's word promises us that we will be sustained right to the end. So don't get all caught up in a bundle and worried. Oh, God, it's going to be so horrible. Don't go there. He's already promised you that he's going to sustain you to the end, okay? Yeah. Another verse we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, it comes when you least suspect it. The thief is not going to announce to you when he's coming, Right? Did you ever get a note from a thief? Okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to rob your house probably 2 a.m., maybe 2.30. 30. You know, and that approximate cemetery there. No, they. I can announce you. They're just going to come and it's going to be over um, before you know it. So, uh, so, but there are those who are in denial of the return of Jesus Christ. The unbelieving world is in absolute denial of the return of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 reads... Knowing this first of all, that scoffers what's a scoffer? A scoffer is somebody that they kind of mock you and what you're saying. They're, they're trying to undermine what you say, they try to twist what you say, since so that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffering, scoffing, following their own sinful desires. In other words, they have a whole different agenda. They will say, "Where is the promise of his coming?" And they'll throw that in your face. where is this coming? Where's the promise? He hasn't come yet. And then they question whether or not he will. Okay, Goes on to say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, words, we heard this message before and nothing's changed and nothing will change. So I want to give you in the time remaining three important things we need to consider about his return. And number one, we need to engage in business until he comes. See, we're not just to sit down and wait for it to happen. We need to be busy. See, the return of Christ is always presented in Scripture as a great motivation to action. It really is. Not a reason to cease from action. I can remember in, in 1988 when uh, it actually uh, Pastor Deb and I, we went to that conference. that was in the city in central Wisconsin. And we are sitting listening to that guy, and actually, that was the time we would j- just broke ground to build this sanctuary. And this was like, um, in a couple months, according to this guy, Jesus coming, why are we wasting time building this sanctuary if we're not going to be here, if Jesus is coming back? And, and realizing, thank God that we didn't stop the project back then, or you wouldn't have anywhere to sit this morning. You know, but it's thinking that people stop what they're doing. They stop serving. They stop preaching because they say, oh, okay, you're coming, so let's just, you know, be idle. And that's what some erroneous teaching has done. It's caused Christians to be idle and the church to be ineffective at its mission because they haven't been busy and occupying till he comes. and In Luke chapter 19, Sending in verse 11, Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he shares a parable that relates to the end times and how this is all going to play out. As he heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So they're expecting this to happen any moment. Then he said, therefore, a nobleman, this is his parable, went out to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minors and said to them, engage in business until I come. So here you have this nobleman that entrusts to these 10 individuals, uh, minors or uh, talents or a certain amount of money to engage in the business in the interest of this nobleman. And so... uh, they set out to do this, and, then, and this is actually really what Jesus did. He commissioned the church in his absence to be engaged or to occupy till he comes. The word occupy is actually a military term, we, and we see that used in Scripture where Jesus says, occupy till I come. Take occupancy in the, the New King James Version that we, when, and let me just say this, when an army defeats a the nation, they set an occupational army in there to, to establish divine order, to establish peace and a new reign. And, and we, we are God's occupation army in the earth now until he returns so that he can come and then rule and reign as, as he's ordained from the very beginning. And so it goes on to say, uh, and let me just say this, the, the modern teaching of the second coming tends to pull us away from the business at hand, Okay. Uh, We have to be involved in sharing the gospel. We have to be involved in witnessing and reaching out to others and sharing the love of God. We have to continue to give into the gospel to invest into the gospel because we're we're reaching people through that means. In verse 14, the scripture in Luke 19 goes on to say, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Now this is a normal man. He's, He's... He's, he's going to come back, but there were those that didn't want this guy to come back. He, they didn't want him to rule over them. In verse 15, it says, when he returned, now the nobleman man returns, having received his, the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to himself, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. In other words, he wanted to know what they did with the investment he made. See, Jesus, when he left, he invested in us. He invested in the church. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He commissioned us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So when he comes back, he wants to know what we've done with what he invested in us to reach this world for him, okay? Now, dropping down to verse 27, at the, later in this chapter, we see it says, but for all these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them. Before me Now, that's in reference to the judgment upon the wicked, to those who have rejected Christ. And that's a soaring thought. And that's what motivates us to reach people with the gospel. Because when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a glorious day for the believer, but it's going to be a horrific day for the unbeliever. And so we have to be certain that we reach as many people as we can with the love of Jesus and lead them to make a decision to accept him as the Lord of their life. So that's the first one. We need to be engaged in business until he comes. We need to be busy about his work, the master's business. Number two, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. See, the apostles lived and served believing that Jesus could or would return within their lifetime. What if they had ignored Jesus' command to go into all the world? They didn't ignore that command, but they were faithful to be stewards of it. In Matthew 24, and we see another passage here, and there's some scripture that really, to deal with this, we have to share and address this, because this addresses end times. So in Matthew 24, verses, starting at verse 3, as he sat down on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be. And Jesus is talking about the end times and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age so this is a specific question to Jesus what's the sign what's what's going to happen what's with the end of the age approaching and Jesus answered them see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying i am the christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not alarmed for this must take place but the end is not yet. And sometimes, you know, we see all these things happening. People say, yeah, this is the signs of the end times. But Jesus says the end is not yet. Even though you see the signs of the times, that doesn't mean it's necessarily the end yet, okay? We need to understand that. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are but the beginning of birth pangs. And this we see played out. Uh, I mean, statistics, even the number of earthquakes we've had in the last number of hundred years uh, recorded is, is at a high rate compared to like the previous thousand years of earthquakes on earth, at least those that we can identify and, and have been recorded. And so uh, verse 9, let's continue to read in this passage here. It says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And, and we see that happening in place of the world right now. Christians being beheaded for their faith. We see persecution happening uh, in place of the world. Um, And then verse 10 says, And many will fall away and betray one another. Oh, let me, I I missed a part there in verse verse 9. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Notice verse 14. This is the key in knowing when the end will come. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ preached as a testimony, testifying of God's power. It's not just a weak, anemic gospel. It's a gospel that engages and encounters people. So that's our commission, to get this into all the world, and then the end will come. That's why we have a passion for missions. Well, at least we should have a passion for missions. The end will come when the gospel of the kingdom is is preached throughout the whole world as a testimony. And the gospel of the kingdom is... Because God's kingdom is his influence that, that prevails in a place, in the atmosphere. See, there is um, so much speculation which gets us sidetracked or distracted. And, and so we want to share the point three because I'm going to have to wrap this up. You know, we may have to come back to this because there's, there's other things that I believe we need to teach and, and share on this subject. Would you agree? I don't want you as a congregation to be ignorant to things in regards to the second coming. And I'm sure that after this message, there's going to probably be a whole lot of questions that you may have for me. And so hopefully, I mean, we can address some of them. So feel free to email or talk to me uh, because I don't want you to be confused. Um, we, don't, we don't want also to be ignorant or we don't want to be standing on on. Uh, faulty ground that's not biblically sound, okay? So, number three, the third point is, he is coming back for sure, okay? He is coming back for sure. We believe Jesus Christ will return to this earth personally, invisibly, according to what we see promised in his word. His return will be for the purpose of establishing his absolute government and his authority in the earth, his eternal reign in the universe. And believers are to be exhorted and to be watchful and obedient until he comes. And as believers, we should look with anticipation uh, uh, and obediently pursuing the mandate of the great commission for our lives. And so the time of his return is not yet revealed. We see in Matthew 24, verse 36, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So don't try to figure it out. In fact, if you think you got to figure it out, God's going to change it, okay, on on you. Because he doesn't want anybody to know that. And so that's his prerogative. In fact, you know, he didn't even tell uh, Jesus because, you know, Jesus would have probably told us. So he's keeping that to himself. Uh, So... Matthew 24:42 says therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming and that's mean not that doesn't mean awake in the natural that means spiritually awake okay and so we anticipate his return his return will be visible for all to see Mark 13:26 and then they will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory his coming is visible Revelation 1.7, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. See, he's not coming in secret. He's not coming in a a secret appearing. It's going to be for all to see, okay? Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Dead and living will witness the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. See, we should be aware of the signs of Jesus' second coming, but also realize that these signs can often be misread. His return also will be personal. He's coming back for you and for me, for those who believe in him. First Thessalonians chapter 4, and if you have your Bibles turned there, uh, we'll be looking at this as we bring this service to a close this morning. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. So it's going to be a grand announcement of him coming. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be always. Oh, so we shall always be with the Lord now notice we're going to meet him and I I love this part because when we go to meet somebody if I'm going to like this past week I I went to pick up my son I went to meet him at the airport he flew in uh, from Orlando Uh, not Orlando but Tampa and I went to meet him I didn't get on a plane and go with him he came home with me Jesus is coming back He's bringing his saints with him. And we're going to meet him in the air as he comes back to this earth. How glorious that day will be. In the atomic second, we will be transformed, receiving a glorified body. And we'll be part of that grand heavenly assembly as we return to this earth. Now, the dead in Christ arise rise first because, you know why? They have... Uh, Six, they're six feet under so they need a little head start okay so I heard that <laughs> once yeah that's why the dead in Christ arise first they, they get a jump on it okay but the dead in Christ they're going to receive the glorified bodies at the same time our bodies are are translated and we'll get glorified bodies and so if we are alive when Jesus returns you know what you will never taste death you never have to die What a privilege for that generation that's alive at that moment of time. Now, my question for you this morning is, Jesus is coming. We're convinced of that. At least you should be after today's message. But are you ready? If he were to come today, are you ready for his return? Or maybe say, no, I don't want you to come because I'm not ready. I'm I'm living my own life. I'm I'm doing my own thing. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 and 10, I want to look at this passage as we bring this to a close. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's the heart of God. He wants you to come to a place of repentance. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to be lost. Notice verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. It goes on to say, verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness. Notice verse 12, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Now, how can we hasten the coming of the day of the Lord? Preach the gospel. Reach out to your neighbors, your neighborhood. Reach out to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we can hasten that day. Notice it says, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I think sometimes people read right past that scripture because they don't want to acknowledge the inevitable. This is our future. When we see this, this is the future of what's going to transpire, and what's going to take place. But there's a place of safety in God when we're in right relationship with him. In Revelations chapter 22, verse 20, at the very close of the Bible, he who testifies, the scripture says, John is writing, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We welcome his coming. We look for his coming. We long for his coming. I want you to bow your heads this morning as we pray. And I want you to look inside and ask yourself the question if Jesus were to come today, would I be ready to meet him? And maybe you say, Pastor, I don't think I'm really ready. I don't know if I'm ready. I'm uncertain whether or not I'm ready or not. But there can be a certainty in knowing that you are ready to meet him when he comes. And for that matter, we can also ask the question, are you ready to meet him if you were to die today? Do you know that your life is right with God? I want to give you an opportunity to make peace with Jesus today, to receive him as your Lord and Savior so that you can have the hope that you can have the promise of eternal life so that you can receive forgiveness of sins and, and be in right standing with God because he made a way for you to be forgiven. He made a way for you to be redeemed and reconciled to the point as if you've never sinned to be made righteous and holy before him by the work of his grace. If you hear here today and say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm ready. I just want you to lift your hand up. And nobody's looking around, so this is going to be just me seeing your hand raised, and we're going to pray in a moment. Is anyone here? Say, Pastor, I know I'm not ready. If Jesus were to come today, that would be terrifying to me. We're going to pray this prayer together. Let's stand up as a congregation in this place. I'm going to lead you in a prayer because maybe you... Should have raised your hand, but you didn't for whatever reason. Well, that's okay. God knows your heart, He knows exactly where you're at. And I believe that He wants to invade your life with His love, with His forgiveness, with His presence. He wants to do something so significant in your life, but it requires your permission the willingness of your will to accept him and to receive him because he will not violate that. He will not impose or force himself upon you. But as many, the scripture says, as received him, to them he gave the right to be sons and daughters of God. You have to receive him. You have to accept him. You have to welcome him into your life. He will not force himself upon you. Now, now And you need him. He's the only hope for a long-lasting future. Repeat after me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, I open up my heart and my life to you. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. I receive you now into my heart and into my life. His name. Now just talk to him in your own words. Just call on him. Call on the name of Jesus. 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 Save us. Jesus. Help us to know your love, your forgiveness, your presence, your power. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Refuge podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.